You're listening to the Broncos Audio Zone. Hello, and thank you for joining us here on the Neutral Zone. I am Phil Milani, joined as always by my partner in crime, my sidekick, my really my everything, at Eric Delala. Let's go, Phil. Eric, this is a special edition of the Neutral Zone because you're celebrating your 15th birthday today. Oh, well, thanks for remembering. And, of course, there's no one I'd rather talk to, Phil, than someone who's lived five times that many years on this earth so (laughs) glad to be with you (laughs) all kidding aside eric i know that there's no other way you'd rather be spending your special day that's true and i thought this up i thought let's not be allowed to go outside and let's spend it with neutral zone nation exactly uh we've got a great show in store for your birthday eric uh we got to talk to nfl insider for espn adam schefter Uh, We asked him about all kinds of things, including what to expect in the draft broadcast, plus uh, some topics on the Broncos, get a little bit of a national perspective on what's going on with the team and what he thinks is the biggest need for the Broncos as they head into the draft. Did he wish me a happy birthday? Um, He did not have time to do that. He was trying to break some news or something. Oh, okay. That's fair. And the news wasn't that it was your birthday. (laughs) Um, We reached out to Neutral Zone Nation on Twitter to find out some uh, what's on everyone's minds heading into the draft. We got a ton of responses, uh, Eric, as we usually do. But uh, one that we're going to really dive into is some talk about Lloyd Cushenberry. Love that guy. It's a great option. And we know Steve Atwater, the Hoff, likes him, too. Big fan of Lloyd Cushenberry, the center from LSU. Would he be a good option for the Broncos on day two? We'll dive into that. Plus, we'll introduce the newest team reporter for the Broncos. That's Sydney Jones. Uh, she'll join us a little bit later on to introduce herself and uh, what you can expect from her, uh, bringing some great content to Broncos country. Yeah, always good to welcome another member to the team, Phil. Yes. So I... Uh, Without further ado, let's go ahead and hear from Adam Schefter. Uh, We start out my conversation about, hey, Schefter works from home all the time, so what's changed for him? I work at home more often than I've ever done before. And as you mentioned, I have done quite a bit of work out here. I do a lot of hits for SportsCenter or NFL Live or whatever it may be. But I've never done free agency from this chair and this space in this office and I've never done a draft from this chair and this space in this office and I'll be doing that because usually you're on location you are wherever the draft is you are in Bristol, Connecticut for free agency uh, but again everything's kind of shut down and there are federal guidelines and state mandates to observe and so you just hope that everybody's well and I'll be staying in the confines of my own home for the draft this year. It's a historic draft, and it looks like it's going to be an unprecedented broadcast with ESPN and NFL Network merging. What should fans expect? What should they look forward to? Well, what I would say, Phil, is it's probably not going to be as clean of a production as it normally is because usually you have people all together. And if Trey Wingo, the host of the draft, is talking, he can can see me waving to him saying, hey, come to me after this. I got some news or something like that. But now I'm on remote. 
and everybody's on remote. Mel Kuyper's on remote, Todd McShay's on remote, Louis Riddick's on remote, everybody's on remote. So it, you have that as a change. You have the NFL Network people, Kurt Warner, Michael Irvin, Daniel Jeremiah to mix into the production. That makes it a more complicated situation. And then you know, you've got every head coach, GM, pro personnel director in their own home. So from my own selfish standpoint, if I'm calling someone from the Broncos, maybe I call somebody who's in the room and say, hey, are, are they trying to pick? Yeah, hold on. Yeah, they all are. Well, guess what? It really comes down to John Elway in this house, and you have to be on the phone. So you have to text him. Well, Vic Fangio's in his house. Well, Matt Russell's in his house. Right? So it's like, well, they might be on the phone. The information might not flow in real time as much as it ordinarily would because everybody's busy and everybody's in a different situation. So there are challenges, and they pale in comparison to challenges that the rest of the world is facing, especially those people on the front lines, the doctors, nurses, healthcare workers. But you know, these are our challenges for this draft, as it is. It's been reported that uh, you guys won't be tipping picks this year. Uh, is that going to be tough for you? I, you know, I've never done that. Um, ESPN has always asked that. I got no issues with that. that that's, that's what they want. They want the draft to be theater and drama, and that's fine. It's a TV show. It's a TV production, and you know, and and you know, sometimes I could, if I wanted, kind of walk the drama. And other times I don't know it. I'm surprised anybody else. Turning our attention to the Broncos, uh, earlier this week there were it was reported that the Broncos were interested in maybe trading up for an offensive lineman. Have you heard any truth to those rumors? You know, the one thing with Denver is I can tell you this: it always goes through a lot of different thoughts. So. Even if today, as we record this, they were on the idea of trading up for an offensive lineman, that I'd say that wouldn't mean that next Wednesday that that's where they would be on an offensive line. They, they've gone through a lot of I can tell you this for a fact over time, where uh, having covered that team since 1990, I've seen many, 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 many instances. Did I say many, Phil? Because I mean many. Where they know we're planning to do one thing 10 days out of the draft and wound up doing something entirely different. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure they're looking at everything right now. And what they wind up doing, I, I can tell you, I'm sure they don't even know yet. Uh, this time of year, how do you trust the information you're getting? How do you know if it's real or just a smokescreen? I, I, I really don't believe in the smokescreen thing. Like, I, I, I've covered the league since 1990. I, I, I don't believe people are lying to me. I, the way that it works is, you know, when you're talking to them, um, maybe there's a team that likes Jordan Love, and maybe they're just not going to tell you that they like they, that they love Jordan Love. Okay, uh, that that's kind of how I have operated and expected teams to operate. That they they don't have to tell me everything, and they don't tell me everything. Um, there are certain people though that do share everything because they know that it can be trusted. They're they're better off actually sharing things. I've said this. And not sharing. Because if they don't share, and I find out, I'm going to use it. If they share, and and uh, I know it, and they ask me to protect them, then, then we can do that. And so it, it's up to them. But I don't think people lie about it. I really, I don't think the team that loves Jordan Love is saying to me, boy, we really hope that Justin Herbert is there as a complete smokescreen. They're just not telling me that they love Jordan Love. Uh, when you look at this Broncos team right now, what do you feel like is the biggest need? You know, they got a lot of different ways they could go. To me, offensive line is, is something that they could always address. Uh, it wouldn't hurt to add some more defensive backs, uh, maybe another linebacker, perhaps. I, I mean, do you have ever enough pass rushers? I know they got great pass rushers, but if there's another one, like, 
I mean, you can, you can always find help there. So they don't need a running back. We, we know that. They can use another wide receiver. Um, they seem pretty set at quarterback. So, uh, again, you have to go with the best player. You just do how did you feel about the uh, Broncos offseason moves? Obviously, they added Melvin Gordon and also a guy like Jarrell Casey. No, I think that they did some good things here. A.J. Boye as well, so they kind of bargain shopped, got some of these guys for, for very little compensation to the other teams. And, and they came up with some guys that have Pro Bowl pass. And if they can get it out of them, then, then they should be a much improved team. So I, I liked some of the moves that they made. And now you just see how these pieces fit together going forward. You mentioned the quarterback position. What's the league's perception about Drew Locke right now? I think that they're encouraged, but they want to see more, like everybody else in Denver, right? Like you, like what you saw so far. Do you know that he's going to be their guy? They, they hope that, they think that, but I, I don't know if they know that. They're very encouraged by that. They, you know, even John always struggled right away when he played. So you, you got to give quarterbacks time. It, it's not an instantaneous process. Like I said, I think people are encouraged with what they've seen so far, and I think that they hope that Drew Locke continues on that trajectory. Uh, last one for you here. Uh, the NFL, with the offseason, uh, plans getting changed a little bit, moving to these virtual workouts. Uh, do you have a sense on how teams are trying to structure these workouts? I, you know, look, we've never been through this, so I haven't even thought very much about that. What is their structure? You're on the iPad for two hours, you're talking for two hours. I mean, what, what is the structure to it? I don't, I don't think there is any structure. I think that you just want as many guys on there, as much participation as possible. I think, though, the real challenge this offseason, it'll be interesting. You know, I don't know whether training camp will start on time. None of us know whether it'll start on time. But you know, what kind of shape are guys staying in? You know, what, what can they do? They're not, they're not going to gyms. So I'm sure some guys have gyms in their houses, but I'm sure some guys live in apartments where they can't get into gyms. So what are they doing? So that, that becomes a little bit of an issue. That becomes a little challenging. And whenever teams do go to training camp, what kind of shape are guys going to be in? Are there going to be more injuries because guys are not in the type of shape that they were? You know, you know what this really comes back to? It harkens back to almost like the 1960s or 70s where guys worked other jobs in the offseason. And then they would show up for training camp and get to their football work. That was their football job. And, and in a way, this is not going to be unlike that. Guys haven't had to do that because they make more money now than before. But... Obviously, there, people are very limited in what they can do workout-wise. Uh, I'm on my Peloton bike, so I'd like to think maybe I'm as, in as good a shape as some of your guys out there. Maybe you'll try out for a spot, huh? <laughs> yeah, if, if, if Vic wants me, uh, that's possible. I remember when I covered that team back in the 90s and they were playing in their first AFC Championship game. Uh, I actually had dreams that week that I was playing on special teams. I was so fired up to cover that game. <laughs> I had dreams I was on special teams. Like, okay, great. Whoa. It was a real rush. I, I enjoyed my time playing special teams. I'm surprised they haven't put me in the ring of honor by now. <laughs> hey, we'll put in a good word for you, Adam. <laughs> Thank you very much. Appreciate your time. Good luck with the broadcast next week. Be well and stay safe to everybody. To you and everybody on Colorado. My thanks to Adam Schefter for joining us here on the Neutral Zone. Got a lot to unpack from that conversation, Eric. But first, uh, what do you think it's going to be like for fans watching the draft next Thursday? I want to know first of all what it's going to be like for me covering the draft. But once we get past that, I think the uh, the draft night experience I wouldn't think on TV would be too different because you're going to see Roger Goodell on your screen reportedly from his basement in New York, uh, and then you know maybe we're still going to check in on these 
war room cams, except this time there's only going to be one person in each war room. Uh, but, you know, from a fan's perspective, maybe you're missing kind of that raucous atmosphere in the background, people cheering, uh, the shots of Broadway all the way filled up in Nashville. But, you know, I would expect from a picks perspective, from analysis perspective, it probably won't be that different. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, these networks, they have so much video of these guys. They have, you know, a slew of analysts and uh, reporters who are going to be covering the draft, and they're going to have plenty to talk about. I'm sure there's going to be trades. There's going to be everything. So the only thing that you'll really miss is, you know, um, seeing that guy walk across the stage. Uh, from Schefter's perspective, though, like he mentioned, it's going to be interesting, the flow of information you know, uh, reporters that night who are involved in the broadcast have been reportedly asked to not tip picks. Uh, Schefter said that's not going to be an issue for him. He doesn't really do that sort of thing. But um, just flow of information, even from team to team, is going to be something I'm going to be paying attention to. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me is figuring out how trades are going to work, um, you know, how these teams are going to communicate with each other, and then internally, uh, we've heard that there's going to be kind of a secure trade line that two teams can jump on if they want to talk about a trade, but that's kind of interesting to me because if the Broncos go on that trade line, can other teams tell you know who they're talking to? Can you tell if a team is on there? It's just, you know, they're going to do this mock draft ahead of time, it sounds like, to work on some of the kinks, but um, I'm kind of curious to know how there's so much going on. How is it all going to happen at once? Yeah, and, you know, we've been in that war room. There's a lot of things going on. They got their big boards up. There's a lot of communication that goes on right in that room. Now it's that's going to all have to be done over chats and stuff and, um, you know, with trades and stuff. It's going to just be sort of an interesting night to see how everything unfolds. In terms of, like, uh, draft preparation, I think it'll be interesting just to see if anything changes because – all these guys have been watching is tape. You know, uh, they've done some video conferences, but, you know, that's not the same as an in-person interview. Uh, There's, you know, of course, been no pro days, really. So I wonder if that's going to change some approaches here. Yeah, I think probably you're just going to see teams go with more of the sure thing. Um, And really, we've seen the Broncos follow that model for the last two years anyways, that doesn't concern me as much because if you pick these guys that were productive in college, that were multi-year starters, that were team captains, you know what you're getting with those guys and that's going to be on the film. I think where, you know, this could be a little more difficult is for guys whose athleticism, you have to project, you know, that into what they can do in the NFL. And so, you know, I think back whenever I think about athleticism and projections, I think back about a guy, Brennan Langley, Uh, who the Broncos took in the third round and wanted him to become a starter. And obviously that didn't pan out. For guys like that, I suspect maybe they drop a little bit because teams just aren't sure about them. And so does that mean you're not as willing to take a chance this year? That'd be my guess. I I think you're going to see players um, that have shown shown it on film year after year. Those are the guys that are going to be the picks that people go after. Yeah, I I agree. The the guys who have the fewest amount of question marks, they're going to be in higher demand this year more than ever. 
Um, Eric, let's uh, unpack a little bit more from uh, my conversation with Adam Schefter. Uh, he said so. He said that with regards to Drew Locke, he said that from a national perspective, uh, and he even thinks within the Broncos organization, you know, five games was a great sample size at the end of last year. But you know, it's time to see more, and they're excited for things to get rolling so they can get uh, more of a sample size on Locke. Yeah, and we know that they're confident in him, right? Because uh, I did a story previously that reported. You know, they didn't do any real research into these veteran quarterbacks, didn't look at a Tom Brady, at a Phillip Rivers. Uh, they didn't go that route. And then we know, of course, that they don't really seem to be in the quarterback market for the draft. So he showed enough for them to be comfortable and build around him. And before we get to Locke, what that does is, you know, you can take this wide receiver in the first round if you want to instead of a quarterback in the first. So you're getting a higher quality player and same with a center if they need one, if they need a linebacker and so on and so forth. But, yeah, I mean, Locke has done enough to earn the job for this year, but has he done enough to say he's going to be the starter in five years? Not yet. So he does need to show more. Yeah. And, you know, in terms of the team's biggest need, uh, Schefter didn't really dive into that too much. He said, you're just going to, they're just probably going to have to take best overall. He said, uh, that could even mean a pass rusher for the Broncos. Eric, I was sort of surprised to hear him say that, but, uh, he also went on to say, Hey, maybe an offensive lineman, maybe, uh, a wide receiver. So, um, no real consensus from Schefter on where the Broncos biggest need is. Yeah, here's the thing about pass rusher, Phil, is that next year Vaughn Miller has a really high cap number. And so uh, does that mean they're definitely going to move on from him? No, but if he has another season like he did last year with eight sacks, maybe it's something you consider if you trade down and get an A.J. Espinosa or uh, you know pick up a good pass rusher in the second round. Um, I mean, we don't want to think about life after Vaughn because he's obviously such a big part of the organization, but you know, at some point, I think he's got two years after this, after this year left on his contract, but uh, you know, it's a big cap number they can get out from under with no real hit in 2021. So maybe you have to consider that. I mean, when we took Bradley Chubb, Phil, I didn't think that that was a huge need at the time. There were other uh, more pressing needs like quarterback, but now if you didn't have Bradley Chubb, you'd think, well, you're in a really bad position. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, in terms of like uh, value picks, you know, uh, sitting at number 15, the Broncos want to get high value for a guy. And normally in a draft, certain positions have higher value, you know, depending on where you're picking. Pass rusher is one of those positions where you you get a lot of value out of that pick just because later on, those guys, the like you mentioned with Vaughn, their contracts are really high. Yeah. No, I agree, and I don't think that necessarily means they're definitely going to do that. But, hey, we've seen uh, John Elway take guys at positions where they've already had players. You know, he got Shane Ray. He got Bradley Roby. He got uh, uh, Bradley Chubb, like we mentioned. And so I can't rule out the possibility of having a big-name defensive player there, uh, and pass rusher could be one of them. And then the the last thing I ended on with uh, Schefter was talking about what the is going to happen with these teams in the off season, talking about virtual workouts. 
the Players Association uh, working on a deal with the NFL on being able to do some of these virtual workouts. What do you think about that, Eric? you think that it's going to be possible to get all these guys on the same page through a Zoom call? You should. You know, you're getting paid enough to figure it out. I think that uh, these guys are no different than a lot of other people right now who are adjusting to certain circumstances. And if, you know, if we can figure out how to do it, I think the players can as well. Um, to me, the workout aspect of it, which is, you know, about 50% of this voluntary program that the Broncos are scheduled to start on April 27th, uh, that to me isn't as important because I'm confident in guys that they can get that done on their own time, do it properly. Uh, they're professional athletes. I think the bigger aspect is that classroom work of getting the install done. To me, that shouldn't, you shouldn't be very far behind on install in phase one. Because in a regular offseason, you're still just in the classroom. You can't go on the field. So this year, even though you're learning it via Zoom or whatever it might be, you know, you still need to treat that as if you're in the same room with Pat Shermer, Ed Donatello, Vic Angel, whomever is teaching those that game plan because, you know, you can't be behind if you don't show up in person until training camp. Yeah, and like one of the things that Schefter mentioned is the concern for injuries. You know, that could that is going to be a real factor this year just because, you know, if you pay attention to Instagram or Twitter, some of these guys are posting videos on how they're working out. They're not exactly in world-class gyms right now. So um, the on-field portion of that, though, could be, okay, let's ease these guys back in because not everybody's in football shape. Yeah, the, that's what I'm most worried about is that, you know, so I think it's not a stretch to say at this point uh, it wouldn't be a shock for the off-season program to not happen at all because we know that no team can go back to their facility until all 32 teams are able to. And Virginia has a stay-at-home order until June 10th, and so the odds teams are going to go back for five days until the, you know, that typical end date is around June 15th. That just seems unlikely to me. So you're showing up at training camp. These guys are going to have to get ready for the season, and that's where you know I worry that guys are going to tear an Achilles hurt a hamstring, a calf, these kind of soft tissue injuries um, that tend to happen, you know, especially more and more now when you don't have the practice time. So, yeah, that's going to be something to to keep an eye on, and you hope that it doesn't happen to, to anybody, but of course not a key contributor to your team. Um, and, yeah, they're going to have to be creative in terms of, and that's where Lauren Landau comes in. How do you get these guys ready, you know, in just a few weeks, does that mean more preseason time? Does it mean smarter preseason time? Do you have to adjust your practices during the year? Because, uh, you know, you can't afford to have one of these top offensive weapons, you, you know, strain a hamstring that keeps them out two months just because there's no offseason program. Yeah, a lot to figure out for uh, a lot of these, uh, for every single NFL team. And, Eric, one thing we know is that a lot of football people are creatures of habit. You know, and they like to do things in a routine. So when the, you throw a wrench into that, um, things kind of get a little bit screwy. So I think that if 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 there is a season next year, and and uh, it starts, you know, who knows whenever it starts, the teams that have handled this sort of change in normal routine 
those teams that have handled this the best might jump out to a considerable lead at the start of the season. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, maybe that favors defenses too, Phil, because we've always heard that defense takes a little bit less time than offense to learn and to install and to kind of get into a rhythm. So for a defensive, uh, you know, a team with defense as its strength, like the Broncos, maybe that's good. Yeah, uh, we're, we're just going to have to see. You know, uh, Schefter said that he's been riding that Peloton. Eric, I'm just sort of curious how you've been trying to get some physical activity during this time. Lots well, of dog walking. Got it. Got yeah. It. And then, well, the, every morning, as you know, I jog from my house to your house and I stand outside your window and we catch up. Yes. Uh, from the this balcony. Is right after, right. This is right after we do Good Morning Broncos Country. Um, so outside of that, what you know, it's probably about five miles each way. So, you know, a pretty good run each morning. But other than that, just some walks. Yeah. Uh, five miles. How long does that normally take you? Uh, I think 20 minutes. I'm not, you know, yeah. not on my A game right now. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. So and, more, it's, um, you know, higher than a four-minute mile. Exactly. And while I'm here waiting for you to show up, that's when I'm trying to get in, uh, you know, those 100 push-ups, 100 sit-ups. Right. And those biceps don't tone themselves. Exactly. And, you know, one thing I, I have been doing is I've been curling some milk jugs. Oh. Yeah. So everybody's got to do their part. That's true. You can't let uh, you can't let the quarantine mess up the beach bod. So uh, my thanks to Adam Schefter for joining us here on the Neutral Zone. You can find the video version of that interview on DenverBroncos.com, on the Broncos official mobile app, as well as the Broncos official YouTube page. Um, so my thanks to Adam Schefter. Eric, let's move on to uh, some of our draft thoughts here as we are just about a week away from the start of the 2020 NFL draft. We put it out on Twitter that we were looking for some questions about, hey, what what do the fans, what does Neutral Zone Nation want to know? And uh, just I had to sift through so many replies, but uh, the one that really stuck out was from Jose, and uh, he wanted to know, should the Broncos draft Lloyd Cushenberry in the second round? Eric? Yeah, I mean, I like it. Uh, I think that Lloyd is probably, you know, either my first or second prospect there at center. It's either him or Cesar Ruiz from Michigan. Uh, we know that Steve Atwater loves Lloyd Cushenberry. Um, and what's not to like about a guy who played center on the best offensive line in college football for LSU, first team all SEC, second team all American. He was a team captain. Again, Phil, that fits the mold of these guys that we've seen the Broncos take the last couple of years. Uh, so he's definitely someone that I think could slide in and start right away, which is what the Broncos need. Yeah, the Broncos right now have one glaring hole on the offensive line, and that's at the center position. So. Um, a pick like that would make a lot of sense. And Eric, I know when we did our mock drafts, you actually took Cushenberry in the second round. I did, and I think people liked my mock draft. I think 70% of people said it was better than yours. Are you sure? I think so. I went back and checked the tape. Got it, because um, I did see those numbers on the website, and uh, I had a chat with IT. It looks like there was um, some hacking that went involved. That was involved. Mm. 
they said that the IP address belonged to you, but I, I didn't believe it. So hmm. yeah, yeah. I talked to them about that. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I'm not sure. That's just what I'm just the messenger here. So, um, but yes, Cushionberry, six foot three, three hundred and twelve pounds. Uh, I would say yes, that is NFL ready. Um, first team all SEC. So. I think that uh, he's a kind of guy who you could put in there, get him working with Mike Munchak, and he could start day one for the Broncos at center. Yeah, and I think you know some of the other things that are impressive to me, he was their team MVP this past year over Joe Burrow, which is interesting. He, uh, I guess they have a number 18 jersey at LSU that they give out to a, a specific player. Um, it's like character-motivated. He's the only offensive lineman to ever wear that. Uh, so, you know, kind of has those those character uh, or characteristics, I guess, that you want in a player. Kind of sounds to me like a Dalton Reisner type guy. Um, and really from what we've heard so far, uh, those two could pair quite nicely together. Yeah, and they'd be playing right next to each other. So you definitely want somebody who you think is going to be able to fit in and have some good chemistry there with Reisner. So... Uh, Lloyd Cushenberry could be a good option for the Broncos in the second round. Uh, Eric, he was at the Senior Bowl. Do you think that impacts anything? I mean, earlier in the show we talked about the lack of, you know, meeting these guys in person. Well, Cushenberry was at the Senior Bowl, and guys who were there might have a little bit of an advantage. Yeah, maybe. I mean, again, I think his advantage comes more from the fact that you've seen film on him. Uh, for several seasons, a couple years. Um, you know, he started all 28 games over the last two years and then played in 11 the year before. So he's got the film. I think that's more of an advantage. Um, but he was at the Combine where you have a chance to meet with these guys. So he's probably not a person that you have a lot of questions about at this point. Um, but there are other options later on, Phil, if Cushenberry, you know, is gone or if you don't feel like using a second-round pick on an offensive line. And the other thing is uh, the center position is requires a lot of smarts about, you know, you, it's just a really cerebral position. So it's possible that the Broncos or other NFL teams don't really feel comfortable to have a rookie start at that position. So that's usually one of those positions where you transition maybe from a guard after a couple of years in the NFL, then you play center. So um, – that could be another thing is that maybe the Broncos go through the draft and then say, okay, let's pick up a free agent or something like that. Yeah, I'm a little less concerned about that just because you'd be sticking this guy in between Reisner and Glasgow. And so I think there's a way to put a rookie in at center and, and feel comfortable. And Glasgow has experience playing center too. So if it necessarily wasn't working out right off the bat, you could always make us just literally swap those two right there uh, in the middle of the line. Eric, I do have one question for you. Not a lot of stats on an offensive lineman, of course, but he does have a 40-yard dash time, mm-hmm. 5.27. Yes. Do you think that you could run a 40 faster than him or no? I could in high school. I don't know about now, Phil. I, I'm talking about right now. Right now, five two seven. No, I doubt it. I really doubt it. And he's three hundred and twelve pounds. Yeah, he can move. By the end of, I'm going to be move. pushing it by the end of quarantine, Phil. <laughs> that's a that's a lot of momentum. 
you yeah. know. Um, Eric, you mentioned some other options that you might consider if maybe Cushenberry goes before the Broncos have an opportunity to take him in the second. Who are some other guys? You mentioned uh, Cesar Ruiz from Michigan. Yeah, he's a guy that I think you'd have to get in the 30s. Um, you know, he could even be gone in the first round, but assuming he's still there in the second, I think he's going to go in those first 10 picks of the second round. Then you go to a guy like Matt Hennessy from Temple, um, a redshirt junior with a lot of playing time as well. Uh, he's a guy that maybe you can get at 46, but I think he's going to be gone by the time you get to 77. Um, and then another guy to mention, Tyler Biadaz from Wisconsin. I'm sure I'm saying that right. So. Of course you are, yeah. Right. And you know uh, Wisconsin just breeds offense alignment. Be a dish, apparently. That's how you say it. Yeah. Thanks, for thanks, Ben Swanson. Always, <laughs> always correcting me when I need it. But, I mean, that guy, Remington Trophy winner, a unanimous All-American, he's a good, a good pickup that maybe you could find uh, a little bit later in the draft. I think the issue with him is the athleticism just isn't there quite as, as high as a Cushionberry. So do you feel like maybe the Broncos have some other needs that they could address earlier on before having to maybe pick a guy like Cushenberry? Uh, I go back and forth because it all depends about the first round, right? Like if you say you take a receiver in the first round, I would go interior offensive lineman in the second to make sure that that's taken care of. But if you go, say, linebacker or cornerback or tackle in the first round, then I think you have to take a wide receiver in the second round because you don't want to wait until, uh, you know, pick 77 to try to address that position because for as deep as this class is, I think a lot of receivers are going to be off the board by the time you get to 77. So if you want an impact player and you don't take one in the first round, I think that has to be your second round pick. It's one of the uh, things that we love about the draft. Literally anything could happen. You know, Literally. Literally anything could happen. And that's what we like about it. What, hey. if, uh, what if the Broncos – here's a question for you, Phil. I love it. Let's go. Say a team, uh, they forfeited their entire roster, and they just got all, all the first-round picks. I'm listening. And then they could use all this, and you would then, you know, draft off need rather than like a normal draft. Like you wouldn't take three quarterbacks, obviously, in the first round, but you'd have the first 32 selections to build your team. Where would that team finish? Of Like essentially a college all-star team. Where yeah. would that team finish? Interesting question. Um, well, you would assume that maybe they would take Joe Burrow as their quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, so they would already have, I mean, I'm trying to think about where I would put Burrow right off the bat. He's probably middle of the pack, maybe right off the bat. Um, yeah, maybe 20th, something like that. You know, I... Uh, you could have Henry Rugg, C.D. Lamb, and Jerry Judy as your three wide receivers. That would probably be one of the, let's say, top three or four wide receiver groups, right? Right off the yeah. bat. I think Jeff Okuda and CJ CJ Henderson as your corners. I mean, you're probably pretty good position there. Yeah, but but I think I think where you're going to run into trouble is one along the the lines because rookies when they come in, you got to be a special kind of you know you got to be pretty special to be able to come in and play O line at a high level right off the bat. So 
it usually takes guys a few years there. I think you'd get beat up along the the line right off the bat. But and you on think, def- you think Chase Young is getting beat up? Not Chase Young, but like you know, he's a special guy. But after that, like who else are you going to be your like top pass rushers? You know, you think about the Broncos. They have Von Miller, and then they have Bradley Chubb. You know, like. I don't know. I think that I think you're going to get beat up on both sides of the line. Um, and then the other thing you got to think about is like, out of all of these guys, there's going to be you know like a third of them are not going to pan out. Yeah. So like, so you got to just right away, right off the bat, like a third of your your team is not panning out. So maybe even more. You know. So. I don't know. I think you'd probably finish like maybe if you if you really were amazing, you could probably finish like third in your division. Hmm. What do Not you a think? lot of faith in. What do you think? I think I think uh, that's probably about right. And that would be like if you were amazing, because think about the learning pains that Joe Burrow will go through. He'll probably throw a ton of interceptions, but you know you'd feel pretty good about him. You'd feel good about the wide receivers. You'd feel pretty good about your DBs, but after that, I think you'd be in some trouble. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I think, uh, you know, a couple of years down the road, you'd probably be in good shape. Yeah. Yeah, I think it, you, you could work out. It'd be interesting to go back at like a few drafts and then just go through the entire first round. Like, uh, I don't know, maybe if Ben Swanson was here, he could pull up know. like... Where is, he hasn't come to work in like six weeks yeah i haven't seen this guy in a long time okay let me i'm gonna pull up right now that please call 707 neutral to leave a voice yeah, message that's all he really does you know neutral zone show at gmail.com okay there I that picked, was it i pulled up the 2016 first round picks okay okay why did you choose 2016 just, just because now they've been in the the league for a while now you, okay. you you can have a pretty informed decision on these guys. Right, but this is gonna this is only gonna give you some sort of an idea because you're uh, you're gonna have multiple quarterbacks in here, you know. Yeah, but we can we can dip into the second round a little. Okay, okay. So at the quarterback position, you would have your choice of Carson Wentz or Jared Goff. Okay, Carson Wentz, and he was pretty good as a rookie. He's pretty good as a rookie and turned out to be a pretty good player. So yeah. you'd feel pretty good about that. Uh, Joey Bosa, you'd feel good about that. Yep. Ezekiel Elliott, you'd have yep. a really good running back. Jalen Ramsey, you'd have a really good, good corner. There. Uh, Ronnie Staley would be your tackle. Really good. Okay. Yep. DeForest Buckner. Really good. Really good. This is a rare draft because... Yeah, so the, I think you're saying that I'm right is what we're getting at here. Well, hold on. The first seven picks all are pro bowlers. Yeah. Uh, that stuff uh, looks good for me. That's rare. Uh, moving on, Jack Conklin, really good player. Not a pro bowler yet, but pretty yep, good player. Another, you got your other tackle there. Got your other tackle. Leonard Floyd would be your linebacker. It's a pretty solid starter for the Bears. Um. Eli Apple was the 10th overall pick. He's currently a free agent. Yeah. So now you're starting to run into a little bit of trouble. Vernon Hargreaves, uh, he's the next defensive back picked. Um, Just talking about just solely 
defensive backs. Uh, William Jackson is another option for you. Artie Burns. These are household names here. <laughs> so That's true. Um, Xavier Howard is the first defensive back who's made a Pro Bowl. I love it. So um, moving down the list, Sheldon Rankins, the defensive tackle from Louisville. Um, he, he was from okay, where? right? Um, he's, he's from where? Louisville. There we go. Yeah. That's what I'm looking for. Uh, Laramie Tunsil, he's another tackle. So you, you'd have some solid tackles. Yeah. Move a couple of them inside, just have a giant offensive line. <laughs> um, after that, Carl Joseph is the safety. Uh, he was yeah. with the Raiders. Where did he end up? I forget where he ended up. I mean, Carl Joseph, I believe that Browns just signed him. Yeah, Browns, yeah. But, I mean, if you go – sorry to jump ahead a little bit, but – No, um, I'm just playing around you know, here. You find uh, some guys, and, you know, you can play Chris Jones at defensive tackle. You've got Derrick uh, Henry. Henry at running back, Michael Thomas at wide receiver. But you've got guys here that you can – James Bradbury at cornerback. You've got guys that you can plug in, and if you were to just pick 32 – um, you know, I think the issue is, like we were talking about, how do you know which 32 to, to take it first? Yeah, I think that at five years down the line, you'd have a pretty solid team. Yeah. That was an outstanding draft at the top, very top-heavy. Great draft. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about the 26th overall pick? Sorry, your phone cut out there for a second. <laughs> <laughs> So they did a, uh, I think NFL.com did a redraft fill of that draft. And at 26, they had uh, the Broncos take Matt Judon. Oh, yeah. But uh, I pointed out, I don't think the Broncos would have traded up from 31 to 26 to, to do that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Hard to tell. A lot of this stuff is just a, a guessing game. Chris Jones could have been nice. That would have been nice. I would have taken that. Michael Thomas would have been nice. Michael Thomas. Tyreek Hill, uh, also part of this draft class. Yeah. It's always a fun game when you're like, gosh, why didn't they take this guy who was on the board? Yeah. And that's that's one of the things, Eric, is that everybody thinks they're a draft expert. But once you hit, like, the bottom of the second round, third round, it's hard to make informed decisions comparing two players. Yeah. Yeah, Tyreek Hill went at was a fifth-round pick who was picked 165. Exactly. I mean, guys just missed and missed. Dak Prescott, obviously one of those guys. You know, it's just crazy. Yeah. When we were doing that mock draft, you know, the Broncos' fifth pick in the draft, I was like, I literally have never heard of any of these guys. Yeah, we could kind of tell. <laughs> That's, we saw the way it turned out for you. Man, you should really check your phone connection. Maybe get a landline or something. <laughs> yeah. None of this is usable. I'm going to have to take all of it out. It's a bummer. <laughs> um, so we'll have a, a lot more on the draft coming up next week. Um, we're hoping to talk to NFL Network's draft guru, Daniel Jeremiah. So look for that on the next episode of The Neutral Zone, Eric. What are you going to ask him? What are you going to ask him? I can't share that yet. We don't want to yeah. give away any spoilers. That's true. That's true. I want to I ask him who the Broncos are going to use with their second of three seventh-round picks. 
Yeah. He would probably have some idea. Let's see how much you really know, Daniel. (laughs) Yeah. We're going to put you uh, on the hot seat right here and ask you about seventh round mocks. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Some people like first round mocks. We really enjoy seventh round mocks. (laughs) I know some people are who would be interested in that. That's true. Some people would be. Um, Anyway, so just uh, hope that you've been enjoying our uh, draft preview stuff. If you go to DenverBroncos.com or the YouTube page or even the mobile app, Eric, uh, this week has been devoted all to cornerbacks. So uh, you can get our thoughts on that position as we uh, preview some of the areas the Broncos might be looking at with the 15th overall pick. And thank you to Jose for his question about Lloyd Cushenberry. Oh, and a great question because it was picked from, I think, hundreds, really, of options. I got to be honest here, Eric. My Twitter, it kind of like, it shut down my computer. I was getting so many replies. Yeah, you and know? lots of follows too, I'm sure, right? Uh, my wife came into the room and was like, what's going on with the internet? Like you're taking all the bandwidth. You know, and I was like, sorry, I sent out a tweet. You know? Yeah. Gosh. Eric, now let's uh, change gears a little bit and bring in the newest member of our team, the newest Broncos reporter, Sydney Jones. Sydney, uh, welcome to uh, the Broncos. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to join the team here and excited to be a part of Broncos country. I'm jumping on that bandwagon real fast. Yeah, a good time to uh, jump on here. You know, the Broncos heading in the right direction with uh, a young group of uh, offensive talent and a a lot of uh, veterans on the defensive side. So promising things on the football field next season. Uh, Sydney, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, what's your background and stuff? Absolutely, yep. I grew up in Florida, so far away from home now. But I grew up a Florida Gator fan, go Gators, as most Floridians do. So I attended the University of Florida. Just graduated from there um, about a year ago, last May, with a degree in telecommunications broadcasting. Upon graduation, I moved all the way up to Wisconsin, where I was a local television sports reporter and anchor, which was an awesome experience. I got to cover the Packers last season, which was fun because they ended up going to the NFC Championship, as I'm sure you guys know. So that was super fun. But now, you know, I headed even more west and am joining the Broncos here. So like you said, Phil, I'm excited for this upcoming season because it looks like these guys are going to be pretty good. Yeah, Phil knows the uh, Green Bay Packers well. He ended up with a face full of cheese whiz, uh, (laughs) reportedly. After the Packers made the NFC Championship, yeah, I didn't see that coming. I did not see that coming. There's uh, some video floating out there of that, but uh, I tried to delete it all. (laughs) (laughs) One thing I can say about Wisconsin is they do have good cheese. I'm definitely going to miss the cheese curds in the press box. (laughs) Sydney, uh, you're hardly the only Florida Gator to come to uh, Denver. The Broncos have chosen 19 players from Florida, which is the most of any school. Uh, so you're in good company there. Just curious, is there anything you're looking forward to most about the job? Yeah, actually, I didn't know that. So that's awesome. Definitely gator, a bunch of Gators out here. Um, most, What I'm looking forward to most about this job is kind of just working with the team. You know, this is my first opportunity to work for an NFL team. So I'm excited, you know, to get to know the players and get to find out their personalities, you know. Um, usually I'm on the outside looking in. So it'll be fun to, you know, 
be in that team dynamic and be able to tell their stories, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Always uh, good to be on the team side and really get to know these guys from a different perspective. Sydney, I know the big question on everybody's mind, who the Broncos are going to take at number 15. You've just gotten here, but we'll throw you right in. Is there a player or a position that you think Denver should uh, target there at 15? You know, I've been thinking about that the past couple of days, and I definitely think they're probably going to take a receiver first. Uh, If I had to, you know, pick, I'd probably say Henry Ruggs, Alabama, just because, you know, they have – the Broncos have so many good offensive weapons when you think about Noah Fant and Cortland Sutton, but I feel like what they're really lacking is a receiver with speed, and I think Ruggs would really bring that to this offense, and, you know, he's got a lot of power after the catch, too, so that's my pick. What about C.J. Henderson? Ah, I know, a Florida player, you know, I'll keep my fingers crossed for him, but definitely not number 15. I thought that's for sure where you were going to go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, Sydney, uh, thank you so much for hopping on the Neutral Zone for a little bit here. Uh, hopefully everybody listening, Neutral Zone Nation, go out and follow Sydney uh, on Twitter. Her handle's at Sydney A. Jones underscore, uh, and then you'll find her all over the website. Sydney already had a chance to uh, talk to Brandon McManus, so uh, look for that video coming shortly on the Broncos website. Sydney, uh, looking forward to it. I am as well. Thanks so much, guys, for having me today. Of course. And uh, that is going to do it for this edition of the Neutral Zone. We'll be back next week with a complete breakdown of the draft. Hopefully, uh, Daniel Jeremiah of NFL Network will join us. But until then, for Sydney Jones, Eric Dalala, I am Phil Milani. You've been listening to... The neutral zone.